sisters, welcome back to She Is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's Word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on culture, doctrine, church history, and more on whatever podcast platform that you typically use. And make sure that you follow our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so that you can get notifications when we post a new episode, which is every other Monday. And if you follow us on Instagram, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you should be following us on Instagram. It's at She's Becoming Podcast. But if you do follow us on Instagram, make sure that you come, you DM us and say hi, because we love to talk with you guys. And we also post on our Instagram additional episode resources, and we love talking with you. And we do prayer on Sundays, so you should follow us on Instagram. Little videos that are kind of fun. Yeah, we have fun on there. Um, (laughs) Well, I am your co-host Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host Beth. Hello, Delaney. We're back for season four. We're back. I feel really good about this, and I'm so excited about the start of our new season. And these, especially these initial episodes, are going to be a great kickoff. Yeah. We've been studying this for a while, so we it, have. it's really exciting for us to be here. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, Bev, I have a question for you, our signature question. What do we learn from Daniel about how to resolve to be godly in the midst of culture's brainwashing and ungodliness? It gives you a little sneak peek into what season four is about. <clears throat> it truly. Um, boy, what I have learned is you can't be wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of an old-fashioned saying, but that's that's what I see. You know, it, Daniel, his three friends, they were not wishy-washy. They were willing to and resolved. There's our word of, for these podcasts. They were resolved to follow the Lord um, regardless of this, of the outcome of what that might cost them. So mm-hmm. that is really challenging. And, and there was a lot of cost, as a lot we'll of learn cost. about. A lot of cost, but because they were so resolved and had such strong faith, and um, they looked to God uh, with realistic expectations, mm. I, you know, when he, they said, if he sa- saves us, he'll save us. But if he doesn't, they're still not mm. going to worship the wrong gods. They're right. not going to compromise. So I really... That, that has really spoken to me. I love that. I, I feel the same. Just in this whole study of the book of Daniel, there's just been so many examples of how we can also do that. This 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 um, series is really timely, I think, for it us is. now. We can really look at what Daniel and his friends did, and we can apply this right now today to what we are dealing with in our workplaces, in culture, um, anywhere we go, at the grocery store now. <laughs> right. And he's our hero. Yeah. You know, God is the hero of every story. Amen. True. But Daniel here is a human hero for us, yeah. and how he walked with the Lord is pretty amazing. And even the angels compliment his uh, relationship with the Lord, that he was uh, special and chosen. And it's it's beautiful to see a character like this highlighted in Scripture. Amen. So let's start in Daniel 1. Should we, Delaney? We should. Yes. But first, we want to have some introduction uh, teaching on the book of Daniel. This is going to be a a mini-series of four podcasts for Daniel, and we're going to put a few chapters together, so we're not going to be able to go into great depth, but we are going to highlight all of the big points here. We're opening with these four seasoning, uh, with these four episodes, and we are really excited about it because we really feel this is going to be, this teaching in Daniel, a good support for the teaching we're going to be hearing from Pastor Troy on the book of Revelations this fall. And I know there's a lot of anticipation for this. Well, and it's it's going to be four back-to-back episodes. So typically we do every other Monday, but starting off season four, we're doing four, like one 
after another episode. So four weeks in the book of Daniel. And if you don't know anything about Daniel, a lot of Daniel is prophecy. And so it's going to be a perfect lead up, I think, for Revelations. I think the two, when they're studied together, is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So that's part of our thinking as to why we chose to start off with this. And people are fascinated with prophecy, and prophecy can bring people to faith. Amen. So it's a powerful... part of scripture, and we want to highlight that this year. Yes, we do. Well, today we're going to give an overview of this book and also teach on chapters one and two, and we've titled this Cultural Brainwashing. How does that fit today? It really fits. But first, let's look at the themes in the overall book of Daniel. The first overall theme, and you're going to hear us repeat this in every episode, Mm -hmm. and that is God's sovereignty. What is God's sovereignty? This means that all things are under his authority. He alone can claim sovereignty as creator and knowledge of all things. He knows the first from the last. He's the alpha, the omega. Only God can predict the future events with 100% accuracy because he controls the present and the power to make it happen in the future. That's why when you hear some humans making these bold prophecies, Mm -hmm. you realize they don't have the equipment. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the power to, to do that. So that's what makes those a little suspicious. But nothing is too difficult for the Lord. I love that when I look Mm. at his sovereignty. Our response then to this all important attribute of God and theme of Daniel is to be a great source of our security. Yeah. I'll never forget on 9-11, when the Twin Towers came tumbling down, all I could concentrate on was God's sovereignty. That was the only source of comfort I had was the thought of his sovereignty. Mm. So it, it really is a security for us. We can feel the world is spinning out of control, but God has the master plan, and it's always on schedule. Amen. Love that. That knowing that God is sovereign in our personal lives is a way God shows his love to us. Romans 8, 28. We all know this verse, most of us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So God is at work in our personal lives in his sovereignty as well. And it should cause us to trust him more, regardless of the circumstances. And we see that modeled in Daniel. Well, and Daniel's cool because you get to see it on a personal level and on a major level with yes. the whole nation. The world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's there's so many spectacular pieces of, of, of beautiful scripture in here. And we need to trust him regardless of the circumstances and have an attitude of submission as we see his will unfold. Mm. So now there's more themes. The next theme is living in a godless society. Daniel, against his will, was thrown into a godless society. Babylon captured him as a teen, and he lived out all of his days in Babylon. Mm. So he is one of the very few characters that does not have any major mess-ups in the scriptures. I mean, we know he wasn't perfect. No human being is, and he was a sinner, as are we. He is also uh, lived just such a life of integrity before God and men even in this godly place. And sometimes we give ourselves an excuse when we say, well, you know, because of the culture and just the way things are. He experienced so much pushback with his godliness as well. Mm -hmm. This study will give us a great deal of help as we try to live a godly life, a life of resolve in an ever-increasing godly society. 
Daniel maintained a consistent, godly character and with integrity. That is the result of resolve. Mm. Because if you're just thinking about it or if you're not fully committed to being godly and being a person of integrity and following uh, what God has commanded and Scripture says, we will cave. Yeah, I love it. It's a commitment. It is a... I mean, it is a choice. Right. And those choices have to be made ahead of time. Right. And obviously, these young men, I think, had made those decisions ahead of time because they were united in it and they were uh, clear about what they wanted to do. Yeah. Now, we'll have more on this uh, living in this godless society in just a minute from Delaney. But this, the third uh, overall theme is prophecy. Just as Delaney said, it's filled with prophecy. Mm-hmm. This book of Daniel contains some amazing prophecy that has been realized just as God said it would, and then there is prophecy that is yet to come to fruition. Prophecy can so be challenging to understand, and there are usually many opinions, which confuses us when we try to study it. We're going to try to simplify these, and we are also planning on getting someone in the studio with us who is a specialist in prophecy. Sneak peek. Our own Jeff Verdor. Yes, he's going to come help us kind of work through these and explain some of these. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Why not have the best for our listeners, Delaney? All right, another theme is prayer. We see Daniel many times seek the Lord in prayer. In fact, the scripture says that he had a daily habit of prayer three times a day. Hmm. He opened his window toward Jerusalem, the temple, and on his knees, he gave thanks and prayed, even when he knew his life, it would cost him his life. Mm. Daniel 6.10 in the lion's den. You know, all of us need encouragement in prayer, and certainly Daniel is a great example and inspiration for us. The fifth theme that we're going to see here is God's kingdom, and the kingdom, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Babylon and its leaders are going to rise and fall. All empires will rise and fall, but God's kingdom is eternal, and we'll be the only one to stand in the eternal kingdom ahead. Amen. More about that security, that feeling of security that you were talking about right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And then spiritual battles. Yeah. This is this is um, something we all deal with. In Daniel, we get a rare glimpse of the heavenly spiritual batter, battles that are in another spiritual realm, which is unique. Um, uh, we're going to meet archangels and have a brief description of what goes on in this unseen world. Mm-hmm. But there's also spiritual battles, of course, that we fight daily. In the New Testament, this is mentioned in Ephesians 6, where the armor of God is described. And we're told our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and against powers of the dark world and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Mm-hmm. So it's not foreign to scripture. Here we're, we're going to learn about that in Daniel, and we also learn about that in Ephesians 6. Rather mysterious, mm. but we'll get some insight as we go through this. We're also going to see a vision of heaven and the heavenly court, which fascinates me. Yeah, Because as you look at all the different pictures we have of God in heaven and the throne room and what what's happening up there, I want to see it. You right. know? This is a unique picture. This is mm-hmm. very unique. And it's also one of the most important prophecies of the Son of Man, mm-hmm. of the Messiah coming. So we've got some big scripture to cover here, Delaney. We sure do. Well, let's get into it. Um, We're going to start with chapter one of Daniel. So just a little bit of context on the book of Daniel, those themes, just getting a 
a foundational understanding of the themes is going to be really important just as you're listening and as hopefully you're studying Daniel on your own, um, just to know like, man, this is what's going on in the overall book. But here's some context for the book of Daniel. It's going to start with Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know if I say that right. Nebuchadnezzar, I've heard. I'm, I feel like I'm going to call him Neb. Honestly, I, I know we. I, I wrote Neb on my paper. I'm gonna call here. him Neb. So Nebuchadnezzar is how I've heard it pronounced. But you're right; there are multiple. And you know what? It's all okay. And there's gonna be more than one Neb, so try not to get confused. Yes, but, and Belt and Belshazzar. Oh yeah, we'll try to help you sort it out. So okay. this is Neb, the first Neb. Yes. So he is king of Babylon, and he besieges Jerusalem. And we know from other parts of Scripture that Israel was taken under captivity because of their king Jehoiakim, did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and the people also turned to idol worship, um, and they also didn't obey um, the Sabbath. They weren't resting, and so this is how God often judged the sins of His people. In the Old Testament, was through another nation capturing them. And I think it's important to note that while thinking through this, that God is not behaving like as a petulant child in his response to the disobedience of his people. Um, We often read those hard parts of the Old Testament, and we kind of have this incorrect view of God, that God is behaving sort of like a child. And he's like, well, you're going to do this, so I'm going to punish you. But that's really not the case. I mean, God, you know, made a covenant with his people that they would obey him, that they would be his people. And so when the people disobeyed and didn't fulfill their end of the covenant, God sent a punishment for their sin. And God's people knew the covenants. They knew they had to keep them. This was not something that they were um, unaware of. And so when they turned to idol worship, um, although God had already told them very specifically a lot of times not to, and they did anyway, then this was their judgment. This was their punishment. And the meaning of the law is to show us that we are sinners and that Mm -hmm. we need God, not that it's a a list of rules and that that somehow makes us okay. So there was a misconception about that as well. Yeah, and I hear that a lot. So um, just important little note there, but We also learn a few more important details just about the context of Daniel just right away in chapter one. We know that Neb took some of the items from the house of God and put them in the house of his false gods. So when he took, when he besieged Jerusalem, he took some stuff from um, God's house and he put them in his own house, which is really bad. Holy sanctified things that were God's. Oh, yeah. And set apart things, holy things. And this is going to be really important for you to remember later in Daniel. We're going to come back to that little piece of information. We also know that Neb specifically selected some young boys from the royal family to be taken from their homes and to live in Babylon and serve Neb. So this book is about these boys, these select boys that were taken from their home and were living in a land that was not their own. They were almost like prisoners of war, honestly, like Jerusalem had been besieged and he took the people's children. Think they, of what these young men lost. Yeah, their family, their home, their culture. I mean, probably for a lot of them, their, their faith. Future. Yeah. Their future. Think about mm-hmm. they had future plans. You know, young men have big plans. Right. And it's all taken away from them. All of it. So in Daniel 1, 3 through 4, it says that Neb chose Young men from the royal family, they would have likely been between the ages of 13 through 16. Oh, so young sons that age. I can't imagine. Yes, they were young men. Young. Mm-hmm. Um, it also said that they had no defect, that they were handsome. And it also says that they were smart, showing propensity for every kind of learning and quick to understand. And so this is what Neb said qualified them to work in the king's court. 
it's almost like a thieve, thievery of the brain power mm-hmm. of Israel. He's he's he captured that too. Yeah, and he selected these, men. Mm-hmm. these men of influence. Yes, like it, mm-hmm. it was all very strategic, calculated. Yes. Definitely. So what Neb did with these boys next was is really interesting, and you see this in Daniel um, one five through seven. We see three things that Neb did. First was that he controlled their environment. We already know that Neb was controlling their physical environment because he took them from their homes. They were serving in a new nation in the king's court. And he also controlled what they ate, when they ate, and he gave them, quote, his choice food and wine. We also know that he was controlling their education. That was the second thing I think that was really interesting. They were taught the language and literature of the Babylonians and were educated for three years in the Babylonian way. The third thing that Neb did was he controlled their identity. The boys, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, had names about the character or the nature of God, names that showcased God, and Babylon changed those names to names that showcased their false gods. This was also really a message to the boys that the Babylonian gods were the true ones instead of Yahweh, who is the the one true God. You see the in this book of who is the true God. And again and again, of course, our God, Jehovah, Oh, yeah, that's going to be a yeah, major thing. The God of heaven, as he's called so often here, is that. And ladies, if you don't have your Bibles near, um, great, listen. But maybe you want to re-listen with your Bible so you can kind of follow along and see the scriptures as well. Yeah. So in response to this, yeah. reading this, I did some research on brainwashing. <laughs> Interesting. Just because I was like, huh, this sounds similar to things Today. I've read before. Yeah. And I learned a successful brainwasher will create a system of isolation and dependence for their victim. Mm-hmm. Their victim must depend on the brainwasher for food, shelter, basic needs, and this really allows the brainwasher to more easily control and manipulate their victim. So brainwashers will systematically break down their vi- their victim's identity until it falls apart, mm. and then they will replace it with the desired attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs of the brainwasher. Does this sound familiar to you? Yes, it certainly does. It certainly does. Certainly does. we watch hours of TV, Mm -hmm. hours of movies, we don't realize um, what lies are coming into us. Right. Yeah. This was basically a forced assimilation and indoctrination, Mm -hmm. indoctrination, i.e., I mean, that's brainwashing. It is. This was a strategic attempt to strip Daniel and his friends of their culture and ultimately of their God. Daniel and his friends were at some level, even though it's a little bit different, you know, they were living in the king's court, but they were prisoners of war. And this is also standard brainwashing that prisoners of war experience in different ways. And so what Babylon was doing mirrors what our culture does today creating a dependence on our culture for truth, heavily targeting the youth with their false ideologies, using education as a means to push their agenda. And we could go on and on with examples. And so although what was happening with Daniel in Babylon is maybe a more extreme example, certainly, we are seeing similar trends in our culture today. We can learn a lot from how Daniel dealt with this godless culture, attempting to brainwash him with their ideology, and we can apply those to today. So verse 8 in Daniel 1 is really astounding, especially given Daniel's situation and his age, honestly. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine in which he drank. The food and wine was 
you know, considered defiled most likely because it was offered to the Babylonian gods in worship before being set at the king's table. Okay, did you see that word? There's our word, but mm-hmm. Daniel resolved. So that was a decision he made ahead of time, What he, how he was going to handle this. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. You have to resolve. Resolve, resolve is a strong word. Commit, make it ahead before you find yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so with the favor and compassion of the Lord behind him, Daniel asked the Babylonian officials that were in charge of him to only feed him um, vegetables and water for 10 days and at the end of 10 days to see if his appearance had improved. And so we know that Daniel chose these items because they were not being presented before the Babylonian idols. So he's plant-based. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of people think that I know. I know, but now it's like the whole diet, I, like oh, from Daniel. Yeah, I know Daniel, which, the hey, Daniel diet, but it's if it works based. for you, yeah, yeah, if it works for yeah, you, yeah, I know. But just to relate it to today, he yes. is basically plant based yes. people. <laughs> All he had was plants and water, and so at the end of these ten days, their Babylonian overseer noticed that Daniel's appearance was better than all the other youths in the court. So Daniel and his friends who joined him in this 10 days, um, they didn't have to eat the defiled food any longer, which I think is also really an interesting tidbit is, yes, they did prove that their appearance was better and they did prove like, hey, like we're going to follow the Lord in this. But also they didn't have to eat the food any longer. Like they made a change from like a change came out of their resolve, you know? Like it changed, like they didn't have to continue to like, okay, we're going to fight to like not eat the defiled food. It was like, hey, you guys can continue to eat the food that you want, which is really interesting. So what do we learn from Daniel about how to withstand culture's brainwashing and remain godly in a godless society? Can can I tell you something too? This can happen on personal levels as well. Mm -hmm. We can have friends or people in our life, um, even family members, close people to us who can try this brainwashing on us. And that's why we need to know the truth and to uh, watch for these signs of brainwashing. It can be very dangerous. It can happen on a a more personal level. It really can. So go ahead, Delaney. Tell us uh, how we can respond to this. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing, the first way we can respond is to rid yourself of idols. Mm. We know that Israel would not have been in this prisoner of war situation if they hadn't have given in to sin and if their heart hadn't turned from God to worship and trust idols. Their situation was a direct result of their sin of idolatry. So thankfully, we know that we have a gracious God who redeems us and redeems us our sinfulness when we get in these situations, but there was a cost to their sin, and this there is was. what it was. I, you know, idolatry, we are very guilty of idolatry today. We may not bow down to a little statue, but we bow down to materialism. Mm-hmm. We bow down to ourselves. ideology. Ourselves is the number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, like God was able to, God redeems that situation, but we also can avoid some of that when we obey. The second way that we can respond to this is resolve not to be defiled. Daniel resolved. And when you think of the word resolve, think of a tree with deep roots in the ground, a firmly planted tree. That is what resolve is. I love that. Daniel like dug his heels in against ungodliness and irreverence of his God. And so when we are faced with the godlessness of our society and their attempt to brainwash us with their ideologies and with their sinful tendencies, we need to resolve to not defile ourselves with that sinfulness. We need to dig our heels in to remain godly. The third way that we can respond to this is we can respond by trusting God's sovereignty. 
Daniel knew his God was in control. It's why he initiated this 10-day test with the food. Daniel trusted that his God was in control. Moreover, this is this was a really like a test between the sovereignty of God and the false Babylonian gods. And God used Daniel as a vessel to showcase his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Daniel was a vessel in this, and he got to take part in showcasing who God is and this huge characteristic of God. The fourth way we can respond to this is to remember God's favor. The end of Daniel 1, the end result of this chapter, was God giving Daniel and his friends favor with the Babylonians and favor with himself. God's favor is him giving us his delight and approval. And we see that in the way that Daniel trusted and obeyed the Lord and how the Lord brought God's brought favor on him. And so we got to remember that too. And we also don't want to have a false view of favor because I think a lot of people think that God's favor is like, um, you know, something that's a spoiled child. Yeah. No. When really it's God's approval, his delight in our obedience. Mm -hmm. And in Daniel's resolve, we see God has favor towards him. He does. He really does. I would just want to mention something briefly going back to the resolve that Daniel had. When I was raising our kids, um, I remember talking to them about how they needed to be resolved. I would talk about a situation, say they're at somebody's house and all of a sudden pornography comes on right. or a movie that's an R, um, not appropriate. What are they to do? How are they going to handle it in the moment? They right. needed to resolve before they found themselves in that situation how they were going to handle it. So I think Daniel and his friends, like I said earlier, really did a lot of resolving ahead of time and they communicated about it. And mm. I think that's what we need to do for ourselves um, but also for our children as they're being raised in this ungodly society. Yeah. Well, thanks, Delaney. That's so relevant for us today, isn't it? To have that kind of resolve to follow Christ in a secular culture. But now let's move on to chapter two mm-hmm. of Daniel. Chapter two is a time soon after Daniel and his friends are brought in to serve the king Nebuchadnezzar, who was only in his second year of his reign. The king may have been really insecure. Remember, there was a lot of coups, and it it was a hard thing to hang on to power in those days. So Mm -hmm. he may have been insecure in this new position, and he's going to use the dream he had to sort out the ranks who served him. So this is what he does. He asks his wise men of the court to tell him not only the meaning of this strange dream that he had, but he also asks them to tell tell him what the dream was. Yeah. Think about that. It was like he was trying to find, like, who is the one who actually knows. Like, I, yeah. you also get a sense that maybe they were trying to, like, um, like go against each other almost. And so by the way that he formed this scenario, Nebuchadnezzar did, where you have to tell me the dream and the interpretation, it was like he was testing them, too. He was really testing them. And, and he threatened them with certain death for them all. Yes. And the wise men are shocked, and they say back to the king in verses 10 and 11, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. Mm-hmm. No king, no matter how great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. So these were all his, you know, people who were giving him advice and telling him what to do and how to do it. And wow, he puts them to the ultimate test. What the king asks, they go on, is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king. Here's the words that I I highlighted, except the gods. And they do not live among humans. Mm, What a great foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, They're right. Their gods are not gods. And but there's 
a God, the true God, the King of heaven, who can. Now the king became so furious, he ordered all the wise men of the kingdom to be executed. And my friends, that would include Daniel and his friends. Daniel hears about this life threat and goes to speak to the king's commander of the guard. Quite bold, really. But in verse 14, it tells us, he spoke to the commander with wisdom and tact. Yes, I loved that. You know, his back was to the wall. Death was imminent. Yeah. And yet he 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 was very careful and very wise how he approached this. I admire that. He had wisdom from God just how to approach. And it will repeat that several times in the book of Daniel mm-hmm. that this is how he handled situations. I know. I know. Which That's is also amazing. <laughs> so much to learn from him. We need wisdom and we need tact. If you got to go to somebody and ask hard questions, what a great prayer. Mm-hmm. So upon finding out from the commander that the why this order came down, Daniel went to see the king and ask for more time so that he might interpret the dream for the king. Mm. Now, talk about faith. Right. But you know what? He's a dead man either way. Yeah. Right? I mean, so if he doesn't come up with, he's dead. But if he does, he may spare all of their lives. So again, I think his faith was so strong, and he saw this as an opportunity to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. He goes to his buddies, and he asks them to not only pray, but plead with God that he would be given the dream and its meeting. Which was such a sweet part of this passage. Isn't it? I mean, these guys were thick. Yeah. And and I think (laughs) it's prayer partners. Well, yeah. And I think it shows for us too, like, man, do we have that? Like, do we have like friends in our life who also are resolved to be godly with us? Yes. Because Daniel did. And and support us in that. It's hard to stand alone. That's true. It's hard to stand but they alone. They did. They had each other. So Daniel yeah. didn't wasn't alone in that way. Like he no. had friends praying for him and with him. He did. He did. So that's another great lesson for us to take away. Yeah. Have praying friends Amen. that help you stand in a godless culture. So during the night, in a vision, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. And Daniel's first response was to worship. Listen to what he says as he worships God. And you're going to hear his prayer have a laser focus on God, his characteristics, and including thanksgiving, of course. And this is what real worship is. And let me read it to you right out of the scripture. He writes, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. Hmm. You know, this passage, I go back to it a lot during election season, (laughs) where God is behind these these movements in history, even in the political worlds, that God lifts up and then gets rid of certain leaders. And, you know, that that gives me comfort. Again, his sovereignty in that. His sovereignty. And Mm -hmm. I think for the book of Daniel, I kept going back to that prayer too. Like you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The themes of the book of Daniel are so evident in what he prayed there. It reminded me of when um, we were doing that study in 1 Samuel and we would go back to Hannah's prayer. Yes. This was so, reminded me of that. Like I kept going back and like, okay, I see that theme, but Daniel prayed that. It's almost like a foreshadowing for the rest of the book. It is. It truly is. And 
And we can use these prayers in the Bible, Dan, yeah. uh, uh, Delaney. We can go back to it, and this we can put our words and our needs of the day within this prayer. It's it's beautiful to pray Scripture. So this is a good mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daniel, now he's got the dream. He's worshipped the Lord, and he didn't just you know not thank the Lord. Yeah, this was answered prayer, yeah. and this is how he responded to answered prayer. Yeah, and and notice Note that, that. Mm-hmm. he did that first before yes. he ran to right. the king. Right, he stopped and he prayed and he thanked the Lord. Yes, sometimes I just take my goodies from him and go. Right, you know, and it's not right. It's not right. All right, so now Daniel goes to the king and he addresses the king in such a humble way. And a God-honoring way. He get, begins by saying, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or div- diviner can explain to the king the mystery he was asked about. Right there, you think, his head's coming off. I mean, the king could have just stopped him right there. Oh, but, yeah. there's a, I love the buts in Scripture, mm-hmm. but there is a God in heaven who reveal, who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. He makes it clear that it is God, not Daniel, revealing the dream and its interpretation. And he does this every time. He does. It is glory to God. Yes. Every time. Absolutely. This is such a picture of what what that should look like when we want to bring glory to God. And I kept thinking, why hasn't the king killed Daniel yet? I know. Why? I know. Like, if you're saying, if there's this, hey, this guy, a prisoner of war, he's coming in and he's saying, it's not you, it's not even me, it's not your God, it's my God. Right. I mean... That's like an, I mean, Neb seems like he has some rage, so I'm surprised he didn't kill him right there. I know, I know, but I think he was mesmerized. I think so, too. To think that this young man... Him not killing him is an important thing. It is, it is. Well, briefly, the dream was of a huge statue. The head was gold, the chest and arms silver, thighs were bronze, legs of iron, and feet partly of iron and partly clay. Um... Each of these pieces with the different substance represents kingdoms. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar is the golden head, but after him, other kingdoms will come, but each progressively inferior. Isn't that just what those different metals symbolize? Inferior to the one preceding it. Babylon then is gold, and then silver is the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, the third brass is Greece with Alexander, the mighty leader. And the fourth is iron, which is Rome, with iron and clay mixed at its foundation, symbolizing really that Rome will be partly strong, partly brittle with mixed people groups. Mm-hmm. So God in this dream takes hundreds of years in the future. This is what he, he reveals. This is further proof of God's sovereignty, God foretelling the future because he controls it. That's it, too. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. After Daniel gives the king the interpretation, he again puts the focus on all God by saying in verse 45, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation trustworthy. The king falls prostrate in front of Daniel and says, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. It's interesting. He acknowledges God, even falls on his face, mm-hmm. but he doesn't embrace God mm-hmm. as his own, as we will see as the story goes on. The king promotes Daniel, and Daniel asks that his friends be promoted as well. And Daniel, though, would remain in the royal court. And what are the truths here? 
and our life lessons for us. Oh, there's so many, isn't there, Delaney? We've highlighted a few, but again, the theme, the major theme, God is sovereign in world events, past, present, and future. And God is sovereign on a personal level and on a worldwide galaxy level. Yes, truly. Good to remember. Mm -hmm. And it's such a source of our comfort and security. Mm -hmm. Second, God reveals his wisdom to those willing to seek that wisdom of his. Mm. And we seek that wisdom of his today in his word. Amen. And through prayer. Often God will bring some scripture to mind to me while I'm praying and asking him about things. Mm. But it's if you're not going to hear much if you have no knowledge of scripture. That's right. He brings scripture to mind in such beautiful ways and applies it then right to when, where we need it. I don't think there is a life situation that does not have scripture that can comment on it and give us wisdom. Right. In. If not specifics, at least in principle, it's there. It is there. It's there for us. The wisdom is there. It mm-hmm. is. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. And the third life lesson for us here is really prayer and praying with others gives us that wisdom as well and how we need that in order to be resolved. Prayer and being resolved go together. Prayer and praying with others is a source of being resolved. We can get more resolved when we do that. And I I also love in chapter two how um, really the limitations of these wise men was highlighted on purpose to showcase something about God, right? Absolutely. How sovereign God is, how powerful God is. And so we see these, you know, people who were considered some of the most powerful people in the world at Mm -hmm. the time and their limitations are so evident. And then we see God come in and use Daniel to showcase the character of God, who he is. And that's the whole book. I mean, you know, this is all showcasing us and telling us who God is. Who God is. And and that is, nothing's more important. Mm -mm. Most important knowledge we can gain for ourselves is the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to take from Daniel. So where do we need to remind ourselves that God is in control and we are not? We are not a little kingdom of one. Mm. We are not the king of our own lives. God is king. And he's king over not only the world, but he's king of our lives as well. Mm. So that is a very foreign concept today where, you know, I got to be me. Yeah, there's your best self. You're enough. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no like and there's no place that you can like hide from the sovereignty of God. Like not when you're alone in your room, when no one's there, like God is sovereign there in that moment with you, just like he's sovereign over the president. Like he's sovereign in both ways. And I think it also shows how much he loves us, that he would be so personal with us too. I agree. I agree. It is so personal. So this is a very personal question. What situation do you need? Do I need God's wisdom in today? Mm. Will you pray and have others pray with you? Sometimes we worry, we fret, we're, we're a wreck about something. And if someone was to say, have you prayed about it? You would blush because you may consider yourself a Christian. You realize, I haven't even prayed about that. And yet I've lost sleep over it. Do I pray though? And I think a good principle is to pray in that moment. Like I have a friend who started doing that with me. And so I've started to sometimes do it with other people because it was so powerful. She would stop in that moment and be like, let's pray. Yeah. Or I think it's even great to say, do you mind if we pray now? Yeah. Let me pray now. Or, you know, ask their permission because not everybody's comfortable with that. But that's powerful Mm -hmm. because you don't want to forget. Or if someone does ask you to pray, write it down. Write it down. I have a prayer book, and I would forget a lot of the things I've said I would pray for people if Me I don't too. have it written down. 
All right, what else do we see here? Well, pride thinks they know best. Humility and faith are sure that God knows best. Oh, that's good. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Pride thinks that we know best. Humility and faith are sure that God knows best. Mm. Uh, when you let God choose, when you use his wisdom, you always get the very best. And that's resolve right there. It resolve is a to resolve. be humble. Resolve to be humble. Resolve to, to realize that God is your king and, and not you. And finally, will we give God glory when you do experience answered prayer, when you share what God has done in your life? And finally, how are you handling the brainwashing that comes so easily to us? How are you discerning truth from lies? How are you standing with resolve? Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many answers that we could see from Daniel have friends around you who are helping you stand. Mm-hmm. Be in prayer. We know that prayer is showing our dependence on the Lord. And so we know that since Daniel was on his knees in prayer like this, that he was depending on the Lord every day. And Absolutely. So these are some of those ways that we can do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I would just love to pray for us and pray that we would have resolve. Absolutely. Let's go there, Delaney. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example in scripture of Daniel, just his integrity, his wisdom that you gave him, um, his the way that he just glorified you and everything that he did when he could have taken an opportunity to make a name for himself or, Truly. Um, you know, make himself look better. Lord, he was humble and he honored and glorified you. And so I pray that you would do that in us. I pray that you would give us that deep resolve to be godly, that deep resolve to trust you, that deep resolve to choose not to sin, to choose to run from idolatry, idolatry that, that deep resolve to depend on you, to pray, Lord. And so I pray that as the sisters are listening to this, God, that you would do that in their own heart that they could make that decision empowered by your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Resolve to be godly and resolve to trust you, Lord. And also, Lord, resolved to make much of you. Amen. To glorify you. And little by little of ourselves. Yes. That is such a switch in mindset, but it's part of the resolve, making much of you. Amen. And so we just love you, Lord. We pray that you would do that in us. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us next Monday for the next part of Daniel.